0: Good morning. Good morning. I'd like those that are serving, if they will come forward, please, at this time. We've just finished the book of 1 Peter, and uh, the context of 1 uh, Peter is uh, suffering. And so I just want to continue that uh, theme as we go into uh, communion this morning and then also into the message afterwards. For hours, I sat by with his wife by his bedside watching him die and because of the carelessness of others who were high on drugs while they were at work uh, and made a f- careless mistake he'd been burned on over 96 percent of his body and it was an it was an awful way to die uh, there was no hope only pain or we can look at the Ukraine you think of how many lives have been lost on both sides How many injured? How many have lost homes and jobs and facing an uncertain future? Human suffering is seen as one of the greatest challenges to the Christian faith. The question is, how can there be a God of love and justice in the face of so much suffering? Atheists use this as their proof that there is no God. If God is all-powerful, they say, if God is loving, if God is good, then why doesn't he do something about suffering? Because suffering does exist, they therefore believe that there is no God. And so the assumption is this, if God is all good, then he would prevent evil and suffering. If God is all-knowing, then he would know how to prevent it. If God is all-powerful, then he'd be able to prevent it. Yet, evil and suffering exists. So why? That's the foundation of atheism. Suffering to them is their proof that there is no God. The atheist George Smith said this, The problem of evil is this, If God knows that there's evil and cannot prevent it, then he's not all-powerful. If God knows that there's evil and can prevent it, but desires not to, then he's not good. Many have had their faith derailed over that question. Charles Templeton was a friend and contemporary of Billy Graham when they were young. Uh, Like Billy Graham, Charles Templeton was an evangelist. Uh, He was known around the world. Uh, But he struggled with the suffering that he saw in the world, especially the horrors of World War II. And Templeton stated, This, he said, why does God's grand design require creatures with teeth designed to crush spines, a rend flesh, claws fashioned to seize and tear, venom to paralyze, mouths to suck blood, coils to constrict and smother, even expandable jaws so that the prey may be swallowed whole and alive? Nature, in Tennyson's vivid phrase, is red with blood in tooth and claw, and life is a carnival of blood. And so he goes on, Templeton goes on, and he concludes this. He says, How could a loving and all powerful God create such horrors as we've been contemplating? Eventually, he left his faith over this and became an atheist. Charles Darwin, in his early years, said he was a believer. But then his daughter died. And he struggled with that, and he left his faith and he turned to evolution. The billionaire Ted Turner says that he lost his faith after his sister died. The New York Times uh, interviewed him, and uh, they said uh, Turner's a strident non-believer, having lost his faith after his sister died of a painful disease. Turner, in that article, was quoted as saying, I was taught that God was love and God was powerful. And I couldn't understand how someone so innocent should be made or allowed to suffer so. And so because of the suffering of his sister, sister, he turned away from God. Where is God in the face of suffering? If there's a good God, why suffering? Where did evil come from? Those are good questions. Uh, Even the Bible raises those questions. The authors struggle with that. Even the martyrs in heaven cry out, how long, O God, when they look at the suffering. If your faith does not include a view about suffering and evil, you'll have a shallow faith. One which, like Charles Templeton, may not last when suffering comes. Joan Didion lost her husband suddenly and unexpectedly. Later, she wrote a book about her experience, and this was her conclusion. She said, No eye is on the sparrow. She was hurting, and she didn't feel like she found God in her suffering. So she decided God wasn't watching the sparrow, that there is no God. The Bible barely begins, and evil and suffering springs onto its pages. Now, in the, the Bible's unique because the Bible tells us where evil and suffering comes from. The Bible deals with its nature, its origin, and the consequences. And the Bible also deals with its redemption and final solution. And so the Bible uh, gives us full permission to ask the tough questions, and it gives us answers that are profound, satisfying, and comforting. And so as we go into communion, I just want to say God is good. God is love. God is all-powerful. And so then the question of then, if God is those things, then why doesn't God do something about suffering? And the answer is, God is doing something about suffering. God prepared an answer to evil and suffering long before evil and suffering ever existed. Jesus is the answer to evil and suffering Revelation 13.8 refers to Jesus as being slain from the beginning of the creation of the world. No, he wasn't actually killed back then. He was killed around that 2,000 years ago. But what this verse is saying is that God knew that evil and suffering would come. And God knew the answer to evil and suffering even before he created anything. And so God had already decided to have Jesus killed on the cross as the answer to evil and suffering before sin ever existed. Before God created this world, God already knew how he would conquer evil and suffering. 2 Timothy 1, 9-10 says, He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, But because of his own purpose and grace, this grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. God's grace was already given to you before time began. He'd already planned it. God wrote that script of how he would conquer evil before Satan first brought evil into the world. Long before, Satan, uh, before Adam and Eve joined Satan in evil, long before you were born and entered into this world of evil, God's grace was already yours before evil existed. E- so we have to say evil and suffering does move the heart of God. Enough that God brought history to that focal point of the cross where he dealt with evil, conquered evil and sin and death in the death and resurrection of Jesus. And that story doesn't end at the cross. God is moving history. Even though the cross is a focal point, there's another focal point coming. God is moving history towards heaven. The final place. Where evil and suffering is fully dealt with. Evil and suffering totally banished, quarantined in a place called hell. Where we'll live with God in a, heav- in a place called heaven, a place of no evil, no suffering. A place where only good prevails. A place where only joy and happiness is experienced. God made himself to be the solution to evil and suffering. God took the solution to evil and suffering upon his own shoulders, and God went to the cross for it. This grace has been yours from the beginning of time. So as we partake of communion this morning, let's just focus on the awesome grace of God that before the beginning of time, this grace was already yours. As you partake of the bread and the cup, you're celebrating grace that has always existed. Just a look ahead of where we're going now that we're finished First Peter. I'm going to take a brief look at uh, heaven, and uh, we'll start that next Sunday out at the lake. So we'll be introducing that topic out there. But this morning, we're going to continue the theme that I introduced in our communion service. And we're going to ask that tough question is, if there's a good God, then why evil? So the question is, where is God? If God is good and loving, then he'd want to prevent evil and suffering, right? If God knows all things, then he would know how to prevent evil and suffering. If God is all powerful, then he would prevent evil and suffering. Yet, evil still exists, why? And so I'd like to ask you the question, did God create evil? What do you think? God created everything that exists, right? Some of you are nodding your hands, God created everything that exists. Some of you are not sure where to go with that one. Uh, So let's at least run with those who say that God created everything that exists. So evil exists. Do you agree? Okay, we'd all have to agree with that. If God created everything, then he must have created evil. Do you agree or disagree? Suddenly, now you're in a quandary if you said God created everything that exists, right? Well, let's change it. At least God allowed evil. Do you agree with that? We'd have to say yes to that one. Now, the follow-up question that people ask, well, if even God didn't create evil, but he allowed evil, doesn't that make God evil? Now, philosophers have struggled with this through the ages. And as I mentioned before, atheists love the idea. Uh, Church theologians have struggled with it. And so many views have been presented even to go so far as that, well, then God must be a mix, a duality of good and evil light and darkness and so the first question is did God create evil and the second one we're going to look at is if God did not create evil then how can evil exist and so the response to that is evil is not a thing to be created so how many of you like doing projects you like working with your hands and you you make things so, when you're done that project, you've created something, you can hold it in your hand, you can see it, you can use it. It's a physical thing that I've created. Evil's not like that. You cannot hold evil in your hands, yet, evil's real. <clears throat> you can see the results of evil, but it's not something which God can create. Rather, evil is a corruption of a good thing. It's a good thing gone bad. So just to illustrate this, evil is like a rust to a car. And so most of us, uh, getting your first vehicle is a big thing. And uh, you still remember your first vehicle that you ever bought. And uh, my first car that I bought was... Uh, an Oldsmobile Delta 88. I went to a sale out at Cut Knife, uh, and um, there was this car, only two or three years old, and uh, no one was bidding on it. And I hadn't gone intending to buy, I was just out of high school, I hadn't gone intending to buy a car, but at uh, the price that it was at, I stuck up my hand and I got it for $800. Low mileage, good shape, nice car. I loved that car. The problem was my mom also loved it, and she would jump in and drive it and leave me her car, and that used to irritate me to no end. But, you know, that car eventually was miled out, rusted out, for a while parked in the bush, and eventually got sold for scrap. It was a good thing which became corrupted. Now, the company did not create a rusted-out car. They created a good thing, but it became corrupted. God did not create Satan evil. Satan was created as one of the top angels, a cherubim, one of the angels designed to forever praise God. But Satan, a good angel, became corrupted. And so the third thing that we need to understand here is God did not create evil. God only created good. But some of the good that he created became corrupted, became evil. So here's the problem. Evil is real. So then where does evil come from? Well, let's look at a philosopher's view. God is absolutely perfect. Do you agree with that? Put up your hand if you agree with God is absolutely perfect. We all agree with that. So, God being absolutely perfect, therefore cannot create anything imperfect. Do you agree with that? And a perfect creature, so he can only create perfect creatures, a perfect creature cannot do evil. If they were perfect, how could they do evil? Do you agree with that one? Now you're not so sure. And so, if a perfect creature cannot do evil, therefore, evil cannot arise in such a world. But evil did arise. Therefore, the philosopher says that God must not be perfect, and God did not create perfect creatures. And so, many even take that further and say, therefore, there is no God. We're just pond scum. That's where they go to. Well, here's the response to that view. First of all, God is absolutely perfect. That is true. Psalm 1830 says, As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is flawless. You'll never find an imperfection in God. Deuteronomy 32.4 He is the rock. His works are perfect. And all his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong. Upright and just is he. And so God is absolutely perfect. That is true. The second one that the philosopher said, God is cannot create anything imperfect. That is also true. Genesis 1 God saw all that he made and it was very good. Deuteronomy 32 4, his works are perfect. So God cannot create anything imperfect. That's true. The third one that the philosopher says, a perfect creature cannot do evil. If they could do evil, they're imperfect. That premise is false. Perfect creatures can do evil. If the perfect creature is given certain perfections, then evil is possible. So the question is, how can perfect creatures do evil? Well, the answer to that one is, uh, first of all, God created and only gave good things. And one of the good things that he gave was free will the ability to make choice Joshua twenty-four fifteen. 15 is addressing the nation of Israel and he says choose yourselves this day who you will follow he's appealing to the fact that God gives us all a choice you can choose to follow God or you can choose not to follow God God has given us the freedom of choice and it's a good thing to be free, to make choice. Now, free will makes evil possible, since it's the power and the freedom to do otherwise. And to do otherwise than good is evil. For example, to be free to love God means that you must also be free To hate God. Hence, therefore, a perfect creation can do evil. For example, Satan. Isaiah 14 is often taken, I believe, to be... It's a dual passage, but uh, often referring to Satan. How have you fallen from heaven, O morning star, son of the dawn... You've been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly, on the utmost heights of the sacred mountain. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. One day, Satan chose to say, God, I want your job. Adam and Eve, God put the choice before them to either obey me or not obey me. They had free will. There's no way to make a perfect creature with the freedom of will who can't do evil. Because freedom means the ability to do otherwise. God did not create evil, but he created the conditions where evil was possible by giving us a good thing, the free will, the ability to make choice. And so God did not make evil, the free creatures that he did, or made dead. God made evil possible when he gave us a good thing, free will, the ability to make choice. It's us, his creatures, who made evil an actual fact. Now here's the second problem people struggle with. How can a creature who is perfect, who knows no evil, has no evil nature, has no tempter outside of himself, and lives in a perfect world, how can that perfect creature choose evil? Well, it all started with Lucifer, one of God's greatest creations. He had no evil nature, no evil environment, no one tempting him. He was perfection living in perfection. And so evil first arose when a good creature, Lucifer, with the good power of free will, chose the desires of himself over the desires of his creator, over the infinite good of the creator. I want to be bigger and better than God. It was pride, it was me first. And so from that we learn that no evil needs to exist in order for a perfect creature to choose evil. And so when God created the angels and he gave them the good gift of free will, evil was a possibility. And Lucifer made that choice to exalt himself over God and evil entered. And he put the same temptation in front of other angels and many of them made the same choice. God made Adam and Eve perfect, but he also gave them the good gift of a free will. And Lucifer, Satan, put the temptation in front of them. And Adam and Eve chose themselves over God to love themselves more than God. God had made that a possibility when he gave them a free will. They made it actual. Now the question comes then, is God responsible for this? And the answer is no. The one choosing is responsible Now, you can, I'll just use GM here, but you can put your favorite vehicle into this. Uh, Well, let's go to your picture there, first of all. So you have a John Deere that the guy had his loader up in the air, and, uh, well, you see the result there. Is John Deere responsible for that? No. But when John Deere made tractors with loaders, That was a potentiality, but they're not responsible. The one who was driving it did. Take your vehicle. So let's just take GM, makes a car a good thing, but now that that good thing exists, car accidents are possible. Is GM responsible for car accidents? So a drunk driver goes out and kills someone, is GM responsible? No, by making a vehicle, they created the possibility of accidents because if no one made any vehicles, there'd be no accidents, right? So the very fact that they make vehicles makes accidents a potentiality. But it's the drunk driver who climbs between the, behind the wheel and kills someone who makes it actual. Take our children. When Esther and I chose to bring children into the world, guess what? They're gonna make some bad choices in life. Are we responsible for their bad choices? We made it possible for their bad choices by bringing them into this world. But their choices are their responsibility. So you might be saying, okay, I get it. Evil's not from God. God is not evil. God, but God foreknew what would happen, right? If God foreknew that Satan would choose evil, if he knew beforehand that Adam and Eve would choose evil, why then would he go ahead and make this world knowing how much suffering and how much evil there would be? And I've often struggled with that question. There has to be some greater good, some good so great that it's worth it. And the Bible doesn't fully explain that, but it talks that the end result is a glory that's beyond our imagination. But some things we have to leave to God because we're finite and we can't understand what God understands. And God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So sometimes we have to just leave it to God and say, I don't understand. But you do. And so I'm going to leave it there. So today, for the next few minutes, I just want to say God is good, God is love, God is all-powerful. If that is true, then why doesn't God do something about evil and suffering? And the short answer is God is not the author of evil and suffering, but God does allow suffering and he uses it for good. God prepared the answer to evil and suffering, and God will end one day evil and suffering. God did do something about suffering. And he is doing something about suffering. There's a story of a teenager. Her mom's arms were so disfigured that she was ashamed to be seen with her. And one day when they're out shopping and as her mom was putting stuff out on the counter there for the clerk uh, to pay for it, the clerk saw her arms and just kind of shrank back and... uh, The girl was so embarrassed, the mum seeing that, uh, she told her the story of what had happened. When the girl was just a little baby and they were sleeping, the house had burned down. (coughs) Between her and the baby, it was just a, uh, it was an inferno. Now the mum could have escaped out the front door, but she covered her face, wrapped it around, And she ran through that inferno to the baby, and then she wrapped the baby up just over and over so it wouldn't get burned. She covered her face back up, and she ran back through. The result, the baby survived without any burns, but the mother severely burned her arms. You know, she took the pain on herself to save the baby. And just as the mother took the suffering upon herself to spare her daughter, God, too, has become involved in this world of evil and suffering. The mother did it as a spontaneous act. God did not do a spontaneous act of love. God did not do it as a spontaneous act of love. God did it as a preplanned act of love before we ever existed. Jesus is the answer to evil and suffering. God wrote the script of the drama of how he would conquer evil long before Satan brought first evil into the world, long before Adam and Eve joined them in that evil, long before you were born and joined in this evil. God's grace was yours back then. Your name was in the book of life. Evil and suffering does move the heart of God. Human history is one of God constantly restraining evil. One of God constantly restoring society so that evil doesn't prevail. It's one of God showing his love and compassion. It's one of God moving history to the point of the cross where evil was conquered. But the story doesn't end at the cross. God is working to bring history to that point where evil is banished forever. To where only good prevails. To where there's that place where we only know joy and happiness. God made himself the solution to evil and suffering. He took the solution on his own shoulders.